Well, a special good morning to each one of you, and uh, what a special treat to be able to speak uh, during the uh, missions conference. We're speaking this morning on praising God for his missional plan and for his reign over Israel and the nations of the world. Uh, all too frequently, I'm afraid, uh, the tendency is for uh, students of the and readers of the Old Testament and those who uh, are uh, uh, generally aware of the biblical text to say that the Old Testament has been superseded by the New Testament and that the people of God, which used to be Israel, are now made over and they are the Christian church. That uh, God has been so discouraged with Israel that he has said, that's the end of it. I'm finished with them, and I'm going to uh, go to the church. Now, nothing could be more incorrect and also damaging to the character and the person of God. For, indeed, he was the one who called Abram, that's before he was called Abraham, and uh, he uh, called him in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 15, and he gave him three promises. He gave him the land, and he gave him descendants, and he also gave him the gospel, which was Genesis 12, 3, in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Matter of fact, Paul said that when he wrote the letter to Galatians. I teach Old Testament, but I try to put New Testament references in my messages to show I've read the New Testament. Uh, students worry about me. They say, uh, you teach Old Testament. Have you read the New Testament? They bring me Gospels of John, New Testaments with Psalms in it. I've got a whole closet full. Uh, and I've told them, yes, I've read the New Testament, and I like it. Uh, <laughs> like it, I do. It reminds me of the old. So uh, <laughs> it, it is uh, just a, a treat. But Paul, in Galatians 3, 8, he said, and Scripture, that's the Bible, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel. He used that word, the gospel, beforehand to Abraham, saying, and now I need Victor Borga phonetic punctuation, uh, uh, and that's the quote marks. And you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Oh, you're from Europe? Okay, just one. And your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. But he said, that's the John 3.16 verse of the Old Testament. It was the good news, the gospel. And so God gave the land, and God gave the descendants, the seed, and God also gave this good news of the gospel. Now, he celebrated that in Genesis 15. For there he told Abraham, Make, uh, get three animals, kill them, and divide them in half. And uh, uh, put half on either side, 
forming an aisle with the three animals and then two birds. Don't cut them, they're too small. And then the ones making the covenant would walk between the pieces and say, may I die like these animals if I don't keep the word. Now the interesting thing is this word to make a covenant is karat. I taught Hebrew at Trinity too, so I taught them how to say karat, which means to make a covenant, but it also means to cut. And they said, how can we remember this? So I said, oh, I'll show you. This word karat comes from an ancient Japanese root, karate. Uh, And uh, they all wrote that down. So uh, that's being uh, mistaught all over the world. Uh, But at any rate, they remember that karat was to cut uh, uh, a covenant. So God gave what? The land. Oh, boy, that's a big topic. And there are Palestinians and Israelis fighting over the land. But God said, no, no, I gave that. Not because you were the most righteous. Not because you were the most faithful. Not because you were the most consistent. Matter of fact, (laughs) you're the worst. But to show my grace, you really do. You try my patience, and none of you will participate if you don't come by faith. Will they? Oh, yeah. In Romans 11, God gives us another clue here, and that is that he himself is going to make Israel jealous. Jewish people will get jealous. Why? Because they say, hey, You Gentiles took our Jesus. He's Jewish. And he is. He was born Jewish. He always was Jewish. And so God gave this message that they would be the channel through whom missions would come. But he wanted also to make Israel so jealous in seeing that these Gentiles had picked it up that they too would come. You say, yeah, but there are only a f- I only know of a few Jewish people that are true believers in Yeshua. That's the way you say it in uh, 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 Hebrew. Uh, he's Yeshua, uh, that uh, he's Jewish. Well, yeah, but the Bible says that by the end day in Romans chapter 11, you have to read that chapter For after making the Gentiles jealous, he said that he was going to uh, bring all Israel into the fold. He gives a quote. All Israel will be saved. Really? When? In the final day. When God brings all the Jewish people back into the land. So, beginning with 586... When Jerusalem was destroyed, goodbye Jewish nation, goodbye northern ten tribes, two southern tribes, the whole thing is gone. Then again, suddenly, on May 14th, 1948, the United Nations said, Israel is a nation. And 
uh, President Harry Truman was the first one to acknowledge that Russia was the second. And they acknowledged that she was a nation. And the people began coming back. They began coming back uh, in the last 20 years. Israel's now almost coming up close to 70 years as a nation. But in the last 20 years, 6.5 million Jewish people have returned back to Israel. Honestly. Out of how many in the world? There must be something like uh, 13 to 15 million. So we're getting close to half of the Jewish people being back in the land. Why? They're worried again about another holocaust because of the heavy anti-Semitism. But where did anti-Semitism come from? Unfortunately, I must tell you with tears in my eyes, it's from the church. We began by saying God replaced the church for the seat that Israel was in. It's called replacement theology or supersessionism. We sit in the seat, sedere, uh, uh, super, uh, on which Israel sat. And so the church began. Some of the early church, not all, but some. And by the time we get to Luther, Luther was so angry with the Jewish people, they weren't coming to the Lord that he wrote another book. We know his better books. But I'm sure in heaven now, he must say, ouch, over this book, which is called The Jews and Their Lies. The Jews and Their Lies. And that was the book that Adolf Hitler quoted from during the Nazi regime, in which he then set up the Holocaust. We've got to get rid of the... Jewish people. And that continues to stream to this day. Yes, one of the Psalms in book three is Psalm uh, Psalm 83, verse four, where it says, let us remember Israel's name no more. Let us push them into the sea so that they be remembered no more. So it still is a call of the nations of the world. But sponsoring a lot of that was the church for so many years. And yet, they are part of God's missional program. So, how do they fit? Ah, in that great tractate in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation of all who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, to the Gentile. So God gave a message in which he wanted a priority assigned in mission to the Jewish people. So thank God for mission programs that put Israel at the lead. And thank him for those uh, Jewish groups that have sprung up particularly in the 20th and now in the 21st century. But they were only the channel. They were supposed to be the means, the light to the nations. 
And so they were, at least in a reluctant way. Jonah is one whom God called to be one of his missionaries. And he was a great preacher in Book of Kings. If you ask him, speak on the kingdom of God. Oh, he had good messages on that. I guess with good PowerPoints too. But uh, uh, when God told him, go to Nineveh, go over to Iran, Persia, uh, and, and tell them there in Nineveh up north, you preach to them. He said, not this boy. I'm getting a ticket to Hawaii, well, Spain. So he goes out the Mediterranean Sea, has a whale of an experience, uh, was somewhat down in the mouth. Uh, after they tossed him overboard, you remember. And uh, the Lord spit him up on the land. And uh, he goes 500 miles. And what's his message? Only eight words. Eight words. And and they were essentially uh, uh, 40 days. And God is going to wipe out those nations. And he's going to destroy Nineveh and this country of Assyria. Really? That was it. So he preached. But why didn't he want to go? Why is he down in the ship sleeping? Because he said, I know if they hear and some of them start repenting, God will say it's all off. And I tell you, I hate Assyrians. I want to see them judged. Yeah. So burn, baby, burn. You know, that's not in the Bible. That's marginal. So uh, at any rate, uh, he uh, had this as, a, as his uh, goal. And he preached and he sat outside of town. He got a nice spot over on the east side. And he's counting 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, plus 1, plus 2. Told you. Because they all got out the burlap. And put it on. They even put burlap on the cows. And they repented. And God did not bring the judgment. Which is why we preach and call for repentance and turning back to God. That's why we want American church to say, Lord, help us do a 180. Not 90. No, no. 180. I heard one pastor get really excited. He said, God wants us to turn. He wants us to reverse direction, turn around. He wants us to turn 360 degrees. No, 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 no. 180 will be enough. Uh, There's a special on today. So just 180 uh, degrees. Uh, And uh, they turned. They turned. So God wanted Israel to be his missional strategy and God also wants those of us who know him to do the the same thing so God's plan in Romans 11 was a a pledge and uh, in Romans 11 verse 1 had God rejected his people Israel over their failure to obey him and he says no nine next nippa Yet, I mean, as many words as you know for no. It was no, no. God hasn't rejected them. Well, then what about Romans eleven eleven? Did Israel stumble so as to fall 
beyond recovery there. They did, didn't they? I mean, they killed Jesus. Was that what we charged them? Now, the Bible says the Jews and the Romans put Jesus to death. And anyway, it was our sin that drove him to the cross. It wasn't what he had done. So he says that I'm going to bring the full number of the Gentiles in. God apparently has a number in mind. And then he said that'll make Israel jealous and it will be such a turning back to the Lord. Why, it will be like life from the dead. Romans eleven fifteen. So God's gifts and his calling to Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and all the rest of them is irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine. That's what it says. He can't revoke it. So that brings us then to where I want to be today. That's all background. <laughs> uh, I'm in book four of uh, the Psalter. Book four has 17 psalms, beginning with two entrance psalms. Every one of the five books has two psalms that give an entrance, 90 and 91. 90 written by Moses and uh, uh, put together as a separate psalm. And it's speaking after book one, two, and three, David trying to establish his kingdom. And then the charge against him in book three, in which internationally the nations focused on destroying Israel. Why? Because, not because of Israel, but Israel's God. They didn't like God who stood behind Israel. And so they try to get at Israel's God through the people of Israel. But now in book four, all it turns around. These 17 Psalms introduce it, Psalm 90 and 91. And then nine Psalms, 92, 93, 94, 95, 96 at the apex. That was the epicenter. And then 97, 98, 99, 100. All speak on what? God as king. The Lord reigns. Your God reigns is the great theme here. So 96 was the apex. And 100, we generally call Thanksgiving Psalm. Make joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with uh, gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Uh, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made it and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So what is that saying? Hey, come on. Come on, you nations. Make a joyful noise. America, America, you know better. Shout, shout, baby. Because the Lord is king. He rules and he reigns. So those are the themes that come here. And it ends with, Triple, Psalm 101, 102, 103. The Lord prays to the Lord for what he's done. And then one more uh, triple triad of Psalms. Psalm 104, 105, 106. Hallelujah, which means praise the Lord. Hallelujah is uh, praise. And Yah is the shortened form of 
uh, Jehovah or Yahweh. So praise the Lord. That's the book I want to focus on. And I want to focus particularly upon Psalm 96, which celebrates a wonderful moment. Because we're told in First Chronicles 16 that that was the time David rescued the ark of God that had been left out uh, in Kiriath-Jerim in the house of Obed. And they brought that ark finally back to Zion. And when they brought it back into Jerusalem, oh man, did they praise the Lord. And Psalm 96 Psalm 105, Psalm 106 are taken literally from 1 Chronicles chapter 16. So why praise God? Because he is the God who is here. He is the God who is in the very midst. God doesn't send any missionary. God doesn't send any office worker. God doesn't send any factory worker. God doesn't send any administrator. God doesn't send any speaker, any soloist by themselves. The strong son of God stands alongside of them. He's present. He's not just generally like ether in the air. Oh, no. He's there. He is the God who is there. Sounds like that should be a title of a book. It is. Francis Schaeffer, the God who is there. And that's the theme we have here in this set of uh, Psalms. And so let's look at Psalm 96. I want to use the interrogative, what? You always come to a passage, you have the, remember fifth grade, uh, when you're trying to report an accident, there are the five W's and one H. Who, what, why, where, when, and how. So you've got to cover all of them. But in preaching, you only pick up one. So is this a how passage, a why passage, a when passage, a where passage? Uh, and, and what's it about? Ways. Ways we can praise God and also demonstrate that our God rules. Our God reigns. Well, the way here, I think the interrogative is what? What are the ways we can praise God? And the first is by declaring his glory among the heathen. So our anonymous writer, this psalm doesn't have a title to it. The other titles, only in the book of Psalms, are as ancient probably as the original text. But here, it doesn't have one. The words here in these 13 verses are like 1 Chronicles 16, verses 23 to 33. They're identical, almost identical. And God mandates the Jewish audience and us to sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. That's the first poetic paragraph. Three times we're told, sing, sing. Singing is not an optional feature of the Christian life. 
if you know anything about the joy of having the load of your sin taken away, sing, baby, sing. Because that dumb stuff is gone. It is gone. And he said, this is a whole new song. It's a whole new beginning. It's a whole new way to praise God. So who's invited? All the earth. Why? Because our Lord made everything. He made you. He made me. He made the trees. He made the planets. He made the earth everything. That's what we confess. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. There, I just said it. And that's what the Apostles' Creed says. That's what the church professes. So come on, earth. If God made you, he now wants to redeem you from the mess we got into with Aunt Eve and Uncle Adam. So he's bringing this whole thing back here. And he says, proclaim his salvation uh, day after day. It ought to be our joy. Hey, do you know the God of this world? I was talking to him this morning. He's a wonderful friend. You should know him too. You should. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you ought to come to church with me. I said, yeah, I've never been to a place like that. I know. Hey, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll swing by and pick you up, or I'll meet you in the church parking lot, and I'll sit with you in church. How about that? For getting into a strange environment. Now, that's how you do invitations. That's how they do it in Life Church in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, which has grown in 20 years from a church plan to 26 satellite churches. So on Easter Sunday, they had 112,000 and 1,600 professed Jesus as Savior for the first time. Yeah, that's mission. That's declaring the Lord's name. As a matter of fact, the word declare means to evangelize. It's the same Hebrew form for the Greek word. Basar is like ulangolizomai. Uh, it means to announce glad tidings, to bring good news, to announce the gospel. Uh, and so he said, this is our great joy. And we need to declare the majesty of the presence of God. Here comes the ark. Yeah, and now there's a symbol of the real presence of God. But here comes the living God. He's coming back a second time. He's coming. So everybody, heads up. Heads up. For behold, he comes to judge the earth. So that's the first set of six lines. The second set gives us another way by announcing the transcendent superiority of the Lord above all competitors. Psalm 96 uh, verse 4 goes on to say, For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. You say, yeah, but we're not into that. We don't have little icons. I don't have a little 
metal thing out back or a little plaster Paris thing, and I take Wheaties out to it in the morning, and I say, here, Gotti, Gotti. I don't do that. Well, I don't do it either. I'm proud of you. But on the other hand, anytime we put any idea, any person, any goal, any mainspring of our life that really turns us on, and that's number one, that's an idol. That's an idol. That is usurping the place that belongs to the Lord. So he said, all the gods, verse 5, of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. The Lord made the heavens. And we're just beginning to explore just the outer edges of this. And we have no idea what is beyond. It is enormous, enormous. And he calls these gods Elilim. Instead of Elohim, he puns on it. He makes a little play on words. Use big goose eggs, big zeros, big nothings. You want to worship that instead of the powerful living presence of the great God who is in our midst? So to whom then, to what then are we going to compare him? We've got a plague in the church called uh, uh, Chrislamism. Chrislamism. We're putting Islam and Christianity together and we say uh, uh, Muslims and Christians worship the same God. Really? According to this passage, it says, hey, they may say there's only one, but it's not the real God. It's a nothing It's a zilch. It's a zero. So he goes on with the third way. And that is in verses 7, 8, and 9. Again, a triple call. Give to the Lord uh, all you families of the nations. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory to his name. Or ascribe, ascribe, ascribe. Which means give, give, give. Give what? God has a proper due. And that ought to be the majesty of his name. There's nothing. There's nothing. Star Wars doesn't come anywhere near who God is. We haven't seen anything yet. Why do we see him in all of his majesty? And he says, verse 9, Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Do you have any idea the power of God? Do you have any idea what he did to the greatest nation that there was, Egypt? Brought them down to their knees. Do you know what he did to the Jordan River? Do you know what he did to the nations of Canaan? He waited and waited. How many years? 400 years. 100, 200, 300, 400, until the cup of iniquity was filled up. God's waiting for the cup of evil in America to fill up. But I'm telling you, when it gets up to the brim, all insurance policies are worth nothing. God will act. We haven't seen anything yet until we see him in all of his uh, majesty. 
So uh, that's the theme of fourth flight, and that's by announcing to the nations, and now we're at the center, the Lord reigns, verse 10. Say among the nations, the Lord is in charge. Ain't seen anything yet. When do you see God move in all of his majesty? Uh, so uh, the world below, the earthly throne of God, is shook. It's shaken by war. It's shaken by anarchy. It's shaken by an absence of absolute truth. It's shaken by turmoil of soul, turmoil of economy, turmoil in ethics, turmoil in morality, turmoil in international relations. But this text says God's kingdom can't be shaken. It stands. It's firm. It's firm. So here's the joy that will not only pervade the lives of all mortals, but it will infect the harmony and the perfection of all creation because that's how it ends. The last way, fifth time, verses 12 and 13. Ask all of creation to rejoice in the coming of the Lord. You fields, you mountains, you hills, you trees. Come on, clap your hands. Of course, it's figurative language. But even nature yells out, Hey, I know who made us. Here he comes. He's Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And so the commotion of joy and the excitement of praise to the living God First, because the Ark of the Covenant is brought into Zion. That's in Israel's day. But so important is the fact that he himself is present now and will come. He stresses the word twice in verse 13. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord because... He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. Who's in charge? God is. Who has the power? God has. Who stands with us, the lonely Christian church and the believers of all nations, all times? The living God. Who stands alongside a missionary far out to nowhere? These are great days. There are the peoples of the world that are coming to America, and we've got transportation leads every day from Milwaukee and O'Hare Field that takes us to every place on planet Earth. He said, I will be with you. I will be with you. So the conclusion, and that is in the center of these nine kingship psalms, Psalm 96 says confidently, our God, your God, reigns. And Psalm 46, verse 9 and 10, God makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. 
So it's time. It's time for the Christian church to show God's glory, his majesty. And the nations of the earth need to see and understand. Yes, with the strategy, we go to Israel first and then to the nations of the earth. Meanwhile, all the idols, all of the substitutes, all the stuff we've put as number one amounts to zero. Zilch, a big goose egg. No wonder we're bored. No wonder we can't find anything to amuse us. No wonder everything's old hack. Because there's nothing exciting. But nothing like the gospel. Nothing like sharing the Lord Jesus. Nothing like seeing his honor and reputation advanced is even parallel to it. So let the songs of the redeemed be our daily joy. Sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, all you earth. Sing to the Lord a new song. Give to the Lord, all you families and nations. Give to the Lord glory. Do his name. Uh, Give to him honor and strength. Because he comes. He's coming. He's coming. Not on May 22nd, as some billboards said in 2012. Not, as another book said, 1994. Not, as another book said, that uh, he was coming on March uh, 12, 13, 1988. He didn't come in any of those times. But I'm telling you, he is coming. He is coming. And he is the Lord of all majesty. So, Where can a person put their confidence and their hope and their trust? In the Lord, who is our dwelling place. And therefore, the throne of the Lord and the throne of David were joined together because he is king and he is ruling. Can you hear God calling this day? Oh, surely none of us are exempt. If I'm a Christian... I'm under a mandate. I'm under orders from the living God. Say it. Say it. If it's true, say it. You say, I don't know how. He said, stop worrying. I'll be with your mouth. You just open it up and share. And pray, pray, pray that God will rain down upon those who are out in the fields, a marvelous testimony. Oh, yeah, you've heard of the Jesus film, now translated in well over 150 languages. And they show that almost every night, village after village after village, hundreds of villages on an average. It says that we're seeing something like thirty to 50,000 Come to Jesus every night. Yeah, yeah. And they say I'm in the Islam world that people who have had a vision of Jesus go looking for a book. And they finally say, that's him. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that's him. 
we think two million Muslims have done something like that? You don't think God's doing wonderful things? Hey, hey, look up, look around. These are great days, great days. With such a great Lord, walk 10 feet tall. He's your Lord, he's my Lord. And he goes before us. May his name be honored and glorified. Let's stand as we have the closing word of prayer. Thank you, our Father, that we can commit all of our ways unto you. Declare your majesty. Show us your glory. Help us to share it with the world. And may we see in these days a great turning back to you. This is revival time. We're praying for 100,000 pastors to share at least five of the great revivals of the Bible and call for your church, we who know you, to repent and to turn about face and come back to you. Lord Jesus, do a great work and rule and reign for our God reigns. In your matchless name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you.